Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for your blessings upon us. We thank you for our church and, Lord, the ability to serve you and study your word together. We just ask that you would take this time and that you would bless it. And, Lord, that it would encourage us in your service. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bibles and just go to the book of Second Samuel. And uh, really, we... This is a long chapter, 30, uh, 29 verses, and uh, we, we do need to read a great portion of, of this as we talk about the covenants of God. Now, uh, there are other covenants in the Scripture, and, and we may, in the course of this, as we get through and finish with the covenants that God has ordained in the Scripture uh, we may go through and, and spend a night or so on covenants that man uh, uh, has originated, but basically we have dealt with the covenant uh, with Noah when they got off the ark, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant then with uh, Moses and the children of Israel, the covenant of the law of God. And now we go uh, even more specific, the covenant with David. And uh, this is a covenant that God did make with David, and it follows the pattern. And uh, we're just going to start reading in verse 1. And it came to pass when the king, this is David, sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord. Shalt thou build me in the house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, why build ye not me in house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto a name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and no more, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled, 
and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thou, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision did Nathan speak unto David. Now, I have just read you the entire Davidic covenant, as they like to call it. It is the covenant that God made with David. Uh, there have been books and books and books and books written about this, all kinds of things. And, and, and we would like to, I would like to, as we just study the covenant that God made, keep it biblical and keep it simple and keep it according to the Scriptures. The first thing that I would like to put out here for us to think about and understand, this covenant is a little different from the others. It was not uh, 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 instigated by David. It was not, uh, again, God is the originator. But this covenant was in response to David's request to build a tabernacle for the Lord. And, and I want you to think about the history. Uh, and I'm just going to quote some different verses. David said, as they brought the ark uh, up from the house of Obed-Edom into Jerusalem there, that, uh, that they had not sought to the Ark of the Covenant. They had not sought God in His proper way all the days of King Saul. See, people want to say that uh, different things, but Saul did not worship God according to the words of the Scripture. And we have the... Tabernacle, as it was, we have part of it in Shiloh, where it was set up in the days of Joshua. We have the Ark of the Covenant now in Jerusalem in a tent that David has brought up for it. That wasn't the way things were supposed to be. Everything was supposed to be in one place. How in the world could they sprinkle the blood uh, before the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement if the ark was not in the most holy place in the tabernacle. And, and these were very important things that should have been done. And again, if, if we can chase just one quick little rabbit here, uh, this is another truth that explodes the myth of what has been called hyper-dispensationalism where... Someone will say that someone was saved by offering the sacrifices, by doing the works under the law. If that were true, then every person that died from the days of Eli until the day that Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem and they began proper worship again in all of its forms... Everybody, that would be King David as well, would have died and went to hell because the tabernacle was not properly assembled. And if it's not properly assembled, it cannot be 
the, the rituals cannot be properly followed. Are we together on that? And, and so, the truth of the matter is, God always has and always will recognize faith. It's not because of our obedience that God saves us. Isn't that good news? Do you, do you get that? Now, if you're going to be saved, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. You cannot go to heaven without that. That must be a positive decision that you make with your will, a one-time decision that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and He will save you. You cannot go to heaven without doing that. That is the expression of faith that God demands. But how many of us have failed the Lord in our service to Him? Every adult in this room. You see, you don't get saved because of what you do. Any more now than you did in the days of David. But David had a heart's desire to set the worship of God aright. He wanted Israel to worship God in the way that God had prescribed. We, we just, if you'll study the history, we have the horrible time of the judges. And from the time they came out of Israel until Solomon built the temple was a time period of over 400 years. And things were just not right. Yet God, in His mercy, accepted those who came to Him by faith. David comes and he says, I want to do things right. And Nathan the prophet said, David, do all that's on thy heart. Nathan goes home and God shows up. says, that wasn't quite the right thing to say, Nathan. I'm going to do it my way. And hence, we have the Davidic covenant being given through Nathan to David. And, and we find out that this, as all the other covenants that God has originated in Scripture, are eternal in scope. Uh, they do not uh, start and begin, uh, I mean, start and stop. Uh, he says, just as he said to Noah, that the rainbow was going to be in the clouds, the seasons were going to continue forever. He tells David, he says, your kingdom, your throne, he said, you wanted to build me a house, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. I am going to make your house the singular most famous house or dynasty in all of history. Isn't it interesting? That with all of the opportunities the Jewish people have had in setting up their own nation in Israel, they have never tried to have a king. Never once. How many of you know what the official religion of the state of Israel is? Atheism. You can look it up in the encyclopedia. Uh, they do not. The official religion of the state of Israel, if we were to classify it, is Zionism or a belief in the state of Israel. 
but even that, they, they do not claim to be a state religion. It is a state without religion. And yet, every Jewish person understands, even the ones that profess no belief in the Bible at all, they still understand that there is a promise that the son of David will one day reign over the world from Jerusalem. That's part of this promise right here. And I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit, but one of the titles for the Messiah is the son of David. That's one of the things that the Pharisees were so upset about when they called Jesus the son of David uh, because they had done everything in their power to deny his parentage and deny his connection, and yet the Bible establishes that. But let's move on here. Uh, There was a promise that David's son would reign after him. Now, uh, actually, David was Saul's son-in-law, but that is not the way the dynasty is supposed to go. It is supposed to be a father-son relationship, and the first thing God promises is that when David dies... God will set his son on the throne and his son would build the temple in Jerusalem. And that if his son failed, God would not remove his mercy from him as he did from Saul. That David's dynasty would never end. And so that's simply the promise. Now, David's response to this is is what we would expect, starting in verse 18. David says, Then went King David in and sat before the Lord. That would be before the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. It was in a tent there in the city of Jerusalem. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And so, uh, we uh, just touch on a few highlights here. Well, let's just take time and read it. It's, it's just such a beautiful thing here. Uh, verse 18, we'll read right through the end of the chapter. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord, But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord God. For there is none like thee. Neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land, before thy people which thou hast redeemed to thee from Egypt, from the nations 
and their gods. For thou hast confirmed thyself to thyself, thy people Israel, to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever. And do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy word be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Now that's David's response. Of course, it was one of worship and praise, but did you pick up on the real theme of David's prayer? It was, God, you have chosen my house to establish as your kingdom forever, but it's not about David. It's all about God. It's not about me. And we will see David's prayer actually fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the son of David and who will one day sit upon the throne of David, reigning over Israel forever. He is the son of David, the son of man, the son of God, and yet God the son. And as he told Philip, when Philip asked him to show, asked Jesus to show him the Father, he said, Have I been so long a time with thee, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the one that fulfills all of the answers here, and I mean all of the claims that God has made. And, of course, we know and understand that Solomon did sit upon the throne after his, David and, uh, after his father David died. And that Solomon did build what is called the first temple in Jerusalem. And if you want a, a study, an interesting study, the building of that first temple was really and truly one of the ancient wonders of the world. They cut the stones in the caverns underneath the city of Jerusalem out of the mountain on which the, the city is built. And every stone was perfectly coped or cut so that it would fit together with no mortar and no iron tool was heard in the building of the temple. It was cut in a cave underneath the temple how they transported those stones up through the strata to the top of the mountain and then assembled them 
would be an amazing engineering feat all in itself, yet when they got them there, every every stone slid into place perfectly. Then they overlaid it with wood and then overlaid the wood with gold. The temple itself was overlaid with gold inside and outside. You know, people talk today about the the Muslim mosque there on the Temple Mount. Uh, It's got a dome that's covered in gold. But could you imagine what the entire temple covered in gold would have been? When Solomon built that temple, David gave him the plans. David gave him the preparation. David had done everything he could. And Solomon built that temple and established the worship of God in the city of Jerusalem as it is to this day. And one day soon, very soon, they're going to rebuild that temple, the third temple, in the city of Jerusalem. And that will be one of the things that will happen right at the beginning or just before the beginning of the reign of Antichrist. And then Jesus will bring his temple, the new Jerusalem, during the millennial kingdom. And what an incredible promise that is. You see... God made a covenant with David. And he said, I'm going to build your house. And David said, this isn't about David. It's about God. And we see that in every covenant that we have through Scripture. It wasn't about Noah. It was about God. And it was an illicit thing that brought about faith in the, uh, in the soul of David And yet, I want you to understand something. If you'll turn just a few pages over, it's 2 Samuel chapter 11, just four more chapters in, where David commits his great sin with Bathsheba. That hadn't happened yet. And yet, God knew that was going to happen. And here in chapter 7, he establishes his covenant with David. Because God wants us to know beyond any shadow of any doubt that God's Word has to deal with the character and the goodness of God, not the character and the goodness of man. If there's one thing we've got to grapple with, with the covenant that God made with David, that is the issue, that it is not about man and what man does It's about what God and what God allows us to do. Now, there were some breaches in this covenant, we might say, as Athaliah, the granddaughter of Ahab and Jezebel, I mean, the daughter of of, uh, Jezebel and Ahab, when her husband was killed, she tried to erase the seed of David. And she reigned as the queen. And yet, Josiah, the youngest son, was hidden. And we go to, let's just go to Second Chronicles chapter 23. And as 
Sorry, here, yeah. As Jehoiada, the priest, let's start reading verse 1. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captains of hundred, Azariah, the son of Jehoram, and Ishmael, the son of Jehonan, and Azariah, the son of Oded, and it goes through those names, into covenant with him. And they went about in Judah and gathered the Levites out of all the cities of Judah and the chief of the fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Verse 3, And all the congregation made a covenant with the king in the house of God, and he said unto him, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord hath said of the sons of David. So we have Jehoiada the priest whose daughter is guarding and protecting the infant son uh, of the king that was killed, Jehoram. And the time comes and Jehoiada says, I want you to remember the promise that God made to David. He did not say his daughter would reign. He said it was his son's. And it's time for us to renew the covenant. And if you read further on into that passage, it'll tell us there that they renewed the covenant with the king to walk in the ways of the Lord and to serve the Lord. And the king was just a child when this began. And all the days of Jehoiada, the the priest, he, he served the Lord and followed in the days, in, in the ways and in the teaching of Jehoiada. Uh, verse 16, and Jehoiada made a covenant between him and between all the people and between the king that they should be the Lord's people. They reaffirmed the promises when they went back and we have here a reaffirming, even though Athaliah had sat upon the throne for a period of time there, we have that bringing back. Now, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 22. And here we have God pronouncing through Jeremiah the prophet. Verse 24 It says, As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of them whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. And I will cast thee out. And thy mother that bare thee into another country, where ye were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out? He and his seed are cast into a land that they know not. Verse 30, Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, 
sitting upon the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. So here we have God cutting off this line and saying that through this son, through Coniah, there would be no more kings sitting in David, uh, in, on the throne of David. They would not prosper. And then we also have the history of the people of Israel that there has not been a king other than Zedekiah since the days of this man. And yet we have the prophecies in Isaiah. We have the promises all through the scriptures that Jesus, the son of David, will one day sit upon the throne of David. It's interesting how that God makes these promises and fulfills them, and yet he brings judgment upon the seed of David for the sins that they have. God never uses a covenant to excuse or not to judge sin that is not repented of, that is not brought to God for, for uh, judgment. And this is the future promise. It was Jesus that would ask the uh, scribes and Pharisees, how say they, uh, the verses in your outline here, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? And then he would quote the verse that David said, the Lord said unto my Lord. And what Jesus was doing there was trying to allow the disciples and those that would hear understand that the only way the promise of God could truly be fulfilled is in that God himself would be made of a woman, made under the law, of the seed of David, would sit upon that throne and fulfill all the promises that God had given. We still have that hope of Jesus' return. Uh, The kingdom of God, that thousand-year reign could start about seven years from today. Because the tribulation must be fulfilled and then the kingdom will be established. And so, as we just look at a, 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 an overview here, God is the originator of the covenant. David was seeking to bless and to worship God and to lead Israel in the type of worship that they should do. God said all of the conditions. He said, I'm going to choose David. I'm going to choose your seed after me. I'm going to fulfill them in the Messiah. But God demanded faith. And when faith was not present, he judged Coniah, uh, uh, Jehoiakim. uh, All those names, they just get uh, very confusing there at the very end. And they went, he and his mother Uh, went into captivity, died in the land of Babylon, just as Jeremiah the prophet had said. And Jesus broke the curse and will sit upon the throne of David and fulfill all of the commandments and all of the promises that were made to David. You see, 
if Jesus is going to be a king, humanly speaking, he's got to come from some dynasty. I mean, we do recognize that when uh, there there is a difference between those that have royalty and those that don't. How many of you have seen that website? Plug in your name and find out if you have royal blood flowing through your veins. You've seen those advertisements. Don't do it. It doesn't work. Even if you found out you have royal blood, you have no inheritance. Uh, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way today. Yet, through Jesus Christ, guess what? I do have royal blood flowing through my veins. Because he's my brother. Read Revelation. It says, our praise is thou hast made us what? Priests, after the order of Melchizedek through Jesus Christ, not the order of Levi. They have promises, and we'll talk about those at another time. Uh, That's the temple in Ezekiel. But, and kings, priests and kings. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. All of these promises are going to be tied in. And he's going to take a people that was not his people. That's the Gentiles. That's most of us in this room. And he's going to make us his people. He'll fulfill the covenant of Abraham. The covenant of the law. And the covenant of David. All in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet, he does not take Israel off the map. He does not replace Israel. They're their own people. They're their own promises. And yet, God fulfills all of those. And he takes us, who had no part in these covenants, who had no part in these promises, and he allows us by faith to be partakers. You see... If you'll understand the covenants that God made to David, all of a sudden Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 fit in place properly. God has not cast off his people. He has used their unbelief to open the door of salvation to the Gentiles. He has used our faith to provoke the Jewish people to re-examine the scriptures concerning Jesus Christ. And if you'll, uh, as one man pointed out uh, years ago, uh, I believe his name was Herbert Pugmire, who is an evangelist, and uh, he began to, he made uh, this claim. He said, How can someone prove they're the son of David if they were born after 70 AD? Because all the genealogical records have been destroyed. Yet Jesus was not born after 70 A.D. He was born approximately 70 years or so before. And his lineage is recorded for us all through the New Testament. I mean, all through the Old Testament and then codified or put together in one place in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And we can understand how that Jesus is the son of David. 
And how that all those promises and all of those blessings, just as David experienced them, you see, David never once stood before the tabernacle and all of the ceremonies listed in the book of Leviticus carried out on the Day of Atonement when God uh, 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 would atone for the sins of Israel. But I'm going to see David in heaven. The Bible tells me so. Amen? And this, again, helps us understand the covenants of God are not covenants based upon our works. They're based upon our faith in God and God's mercy toward us. It's not because of us. It's in spite of us. And that is the most encouraging news I can tell you. You know why? Where would you be if your relationship to God depended upon you? You would be without hope because we fail. We fail so often. We fail so miserably. But yet, that's not what God is asking for. He's asking for faith. And so we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we follow Him and we serve Him as a church in fulfillment of His direction to His apostles. And so we have the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham. There's no contradictions between any of these covenants. They are actually so interlaced that God cannot fulfill one without fulfilling all of them. And that gives us a beauty and a depth to our understanding of the Scripture. I hope, I hope these studies have not been tedious. We're not done yet. We've still got a ways to go. And we're going to show how the God layer upon layer wove everything in Scripture together. So that we can understand one thing. It's all about God. And what He wants is faith. He wants us to believe what He said. And all God's people said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this night. We thank You for the promises made to David. Lord, we look forward to the day when... They will be fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of David, ruling the world from the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. Lord, we don't claim to understand everything that's going to happen between now and then, but we ask that you would help us just simply to be faithful to you and to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And while the piano plays, we'll just take a moment here and... If you need to come and pray, the altar.